The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In these times of rapid change, chaos, and crisis... A new wave of legendary leaders is rising up to answer their higher calling. Many are not famous nor have followers, though some do. They are brave individuals like you, seeking your highest truth and committed to deep personal change. Welcome to Legendary Leaders, Answering the Higher Calling, with your host Maria Danley. Here is the innovative support you've been looking for to become the legendary leader you are destined to be. Now, here's Maria Danley. Hello, and welcome to Legendary Leaders, Answering the Higher Calling. I'm your host, Maria Danley. Thank you for being here and joining us. Today is a very unique show, and I'm so excited about it. Many of you may remember our show on April 7th of this year, 2015, when my guest was Karen Lamb, an executive coach who turned her life around after reading a book called Emergence, The Shift from Ego to Essence by Barbara Marks Hubbard. I was so inspired by that conversation and by my desire to deepen my relationship with my higher self that after the interview, I ordered Barbara's book Emergence from Amazon.com and immediately started reading it. It is transforming my life as well, and I have dedicated myself to follow the nine-step process that Barbara laid out so beautifully in her book, which we will be talking more about later. I'm so happy and honored to have Barbara Marks Hubbard here with us today as our guest on the Legendary Leader Radio Show. We will focus fully on our conversation with Barbara Marks Hubbard today to hear more about her work, her life, and explore ideas about Well, ideas from two of her books, Emergence, The Shift from Ego to Essence, and Conscious Evolution, Awakening the Power of Our Social Potential. Having read both of these books, I think they are essential essential reading for all of you legendary leaders. Emergence will give you a map for evolving yourselves, deepening your love, and awakening your consciousness in your loving relationship with your essential self, your higher self. And Conscious Evolution will give you a grand map to not only inspire you with a bigger picture of what is going on for us currently in our world, but it will also help you to find your place with your individual passion and higher calling in the larger scheme of things. Let me tell you a bit about Barbara's background. Futurist Barbara Marks Hubbard is a prolific educator, evolutionary thinker, and author of seven books including a revised and updated edition of her seminal work, Conscious Evolution. In 1945, 
when the United States dropped atomic bombs on Japan and the world caught its breath. This pivotal event deeply impacted the young Barbara Marks Hubbard, who found herself asking President Eisenhower, what is the meaning of our power that is good? Barbara's 40-plus year inquiry and the answers that she's found offer invaluable assistance to us all at this time in our history. Despite the state of the world, we are truly on the threshold of great possibility of our own conscious evolution. Buckminster Fuller once wrote, There's no doubt in my mind that Barbara Marks Hubbard, who helped introduce the concept of futurism to society, is the best informed human now alive regarding futurism and the foresights it has produced. Barbara Marks Hubbard has been called The Voice for Conscious Evolution by Deepak Chopra. She's a subject of Neil Donald Walsh's book, The Mother of Invention, and many would agree she is the global ambassador for conscious change. At her heart, Barbara Marks Hubbard is a visionary, a social innovator. She's an evolutionary thinker who believes that global change happens when we work collectively and selflessly for the greater good. She realizes that the lessons of evolution teach us that problems are evolutionary drivers and crisis precedes transformation, giving a new way of seeing and responding to our global situation. As a prolific author and educator, Barbara has written seven books on social and planetary evolution. She's produced, hosted, and contributed to countless documentaries seen by millions of people around the world. We will be spending our hour today talking about both of her books, Emergence and Conscious Evolution. And you can learn more about Barbara by visiting www.evolve.org. Please welcome. We are so excited to have Barbara Marks Hubbard here today. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you. Thank you so much. There is, there's so much to talk about. Let's start with Emergence, the shift from ego to essence. I've taken our listeners, Barbara, the past two shows on guided visualizations to show them how to create their inner sanctuaries and how to begin to sit with their essential selves. Tell us about your discovery of your essential self and how that relationship unfolded. Well, you know, I've been uh, interested in the positive future and I've been communicating many ideas about it and I had you know, run for vice president and had done so much, but I had this compulsive self that no matter how much I did, it it, it was always, it was an inner critic. And yet when I was writing in my journal, I would receive brilliant guidance from a higher self that I projected outside of me. And then I'd go to do the guidance and that local self would take over and I would get compulsive and exhausted. So, I finally said, I have to change my pattern here. So I stopped, and I gave myself 21 days to get up really early and do a very profound, simple meditation for for at least an hour. And here is what it was. I put my attention on the experience of receiving higher guidance, of intuition, inspired insights, the, the experience, not what it was telling me to do, but how it felt when I received it. And it felt whole, at peace, joyful, brilliant, purposeful, trusting. And as I just put attention on it without saying, go do this, go do that, the feeling of that higher self came in to my heart. And it's a vibrational field. 
And the vibrational field, I realized, is me. The, the higher self I had been projecting outside was actually my true essence. And so I began to call it my essential self and went through a process of inviting, having my local separated selves invite my essential self to take dominion in my whole household of selves. In other words, I consciously became my own essence. And then I consciously trained my local selves to realize that their joy, their their life purpose is, is not to criticize or feel separate from me, but to relax and be part of me. So I gained dominion for my essential self, and it became a radiant presence within me. And it, it, it goes all the way into how do you deal with other people. I became able to see the essence in others. You know that phrase of Jesus, love, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you can't love your neighbor as your egoic self, but you can love your neighbor as your essential self because essence to essence is loving. And just so it make a long story, I began to, to learn how to actually um, be together in resonance with others as our own essence. And then instead of trying to kill our local selves or kill the egoic self, we actually befriended them. They're wounded, and they've worked for survival all these thousands of years, and now the, the local selves, the separated selves, are the problem on earth. They're the problem in us personally, and they're the problem in us collectively. That's mm-hmm. basically, so the process, eventually you become your own essence. Wow. So beautiful. It's beautiful the way you describe that and saying here they are fighting for their own survival and, and they're holding on to these ideas that are the problem within us and the shared problem in the world. But how beautiful that you came into your own dominion. I mean, that is the essential work of all of us, isn't it? It, it really is an essential process. And the thing that is um, slightly different about the way I'm doing it, I'm doing it as putting it in the evolutionary perspective rather than the purely spiritual perspective. And the evolutionary perspective says we are all evolving humans. And the situation on earth has become more critical. Therefore, more of us are called forth to be the change, and many of us are the change. So when you incarnate your own essence, you are the change. And then your vocation, your life purpose, your relationships are all changed. And many of us are doing this now. I've been teaching a class called Sacred Journey of the Conscious Evolutionary on Shift Network, and we have a class of 200 people, and they're all becoming their own essence, speaking as essence. Speaking as that deep self. And when you speak in those tones, actually the word becomes flesh. You start to regenerate. You start to heal. You start to actually discover more of your purpose on earth. It's truly magnificent. You know, I'm very fortunate because when I I started to read um, Emergence, I was sitting there reading it, and I had a little insight and said, I wonder if there's a support group. (laughs) I I went right to the computer. I had this impulse, and uh, there it was. I found your sister, Patricia Ellsberg. She, She was leading a support group, and it was starting that day. 
And I joined. I joined the group, and now I'm in the certification program. It's excellent, absolutely excellent. And and for all of you out there, you'll want to go to theemergenceprocess.com. We're going to give you all kinds of information of places to go to deepen this work. But I'm so excited to be in that in her program and also to be a uh, part of that certification process. I'm, I'm going to offer a support group to these legendary leaders so they can deepen their process or they can please go do it with Barbara or Patricia. Any way you do this work, we're, we're, we're excited. <laughs> this is great. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. What's your name? My name is Maria, Maria Danley. And, and I just, I, as I said, we had a guest on, she spoke of your book and I, I ordered it that day on Amazon and I'm enthralled with it. This nine step process, I'm determined, it's part of my, my work, I'm certain, is to help connect people to their higher selves, to this inner dominion. Because as each of us claims we are transforming the planet one person at a time. We, we definitely are. And, and when you do it together in a group, like on this class and I'm on, People are getting it so fast that their internal shift is speeding up because of being part of the field. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's the most exciting work to be doing. Barbara, what do we say to people out there who you know are thinking, oh, I don't have 20 minutes every day to get up and why should I sit with my higher self? I mean, there's that period of resistance to move through. How, how do you support people or what do you suggest people do? Well, you know, you have to... Uh, I got depressed the way this really came to me, and I have learned from evolution that depression or stress is an evolutionary driver towards something better. Mm. And I knew that, so I, I would like to tell anybody who says they don't have time, it's like saying, I don't have time to be born. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> There's no such thing as you don't have time for 20 minutes. Yeah. Just forget that. Because it's only, but here's the thing, it's a choice. And what I mean by conscious evolution is evolution by choice, not chance. So people who say, I don't have time, are really saying, I don't choose to do it. Mm-hmm. And you want to take responsibility for that, you know? I love your saying that. It is the ego part of us or the smaller part that says, oh, you don't have time to do it. And we go, oh, okay. But you just yeah, okay, some... so who's saying okay? Yeah, well, who's saying okay? little essence that, that is neglected while you give yourself over. And what happens also is that you get to do things a lot more easily, that when you're not in stress and not rushing, the essential self is far wiser on how to do things than the local self. Far wiser. You get to be brilliant. I love your saying that. And, and, and you know, Viv, a very pivotal point you just made here around this idea of who is, am I going to let an unconscious part of me run my life or am I going to be the conscious part of my evolution? And this is key to the work that we're going to be talking about, your book on, on conscious evolution coming up here shortly. Um, so I'm not quite sure where to go with that. I just know that that resistance and the depression is something leading us to something greater. And I love you saying that. Well, you know, the crisis that we're facing on Earth, not only just personally, is leading us to something greater or devolution and destruction. And since in evolution, crisis precedes transformation, crisis causes transformation. So we on a global scale have, have, have a crisis big enough to destroy our life support system. That means each each of us is a member of the planetary body. We might not think of it that way, but our own activation is happening because we're a member of a larger planetary body. 
and therefore we're waking up sometimes to more discontent, sometimes to depression, sometimes to inspiration, but we're waking up collectively. So beautiful. So beautiful. I am so inspired by your book, Conscious Evolution, and I was up late last night reading it so I could be prepared for the call today. And um, I'll say the whole title, Conscious Evolution, Awakening the Power of Our Social Potential. And I went to bed about 11 o'clock after reading this book, Barbara, and I woke up this morning with one of the most euphoric dreams I've, I've ever had. Oh. I, w- I was in Paris, and it was the future, and the future was so beautiful, and it was utterly enchanting. It was every piece of it was people had taken personal responsibility for beauty and enchantment all through Paris, and people were friendly and awake. I I woke up just on fire and thrilled, and I know it was from reading your book. So, <laughs> well, it is because you see, if you look at evolution for billions of years, there have been five mass extinctions, and every time it's gone to higher consciousness, greater freedom, more complex order. So there's a code in there. Here's the code. Create more conscious life. So if a species and a situation goes extinct, it doesn't mean life goes extinct. It means something more is happening. Now, we have a crisis where we could lose our life support system and go eventually destroy our species, or we can respond. So this is a global situation, and everybody's in it, and there's nobody excluded from the problem. Nobody. Well, I love your saying that, you know, when you were explaining about evolution and for you folks out there, it is really liberating to read this book, read both books, absolutely, but to get a bigger picture of what's going on. We can get so myopic and thinking, mm-hmm. looking out there, you know, it, I've, I've likened it to, hey, wait a minute, we're all in the birth canal right now and it's dark and there's, you know, there, there are contractions and blood and pain. We, we can't see that we're actually being born into a new world. But Barbara's book explains and gives you a perspective of the, such a bigger picture that you can see even when things go extinct, it means even greater life is coming. And that, that's, pretty powerful. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been a 15 billion year trend. You see, you have, to, you have to get evolutionary eyes to understand what I'm saying. And evolutionary eyes means you take a universal perspective and take an overview from the origin of the universe through the formation of energy, matter, life, the billions and billions of galaxies, our little earth, a little rock of earth, creating the bacteria and the single cells and the multi-cells and so on, you have to take a 13.8 billion year perspective and just look at it as one single spiral. And now we're in our turn on the spiral. I call it a wheel of co-creation. So there's health, education, economics, the whole thing is there. And then then you can say, oh, well, we face this crisis, and where is it going toward? Where, what's working? What's innovative? What's creative in my life and in, in the life of others? And then you begin to see the new world. It's there. It's just that the news media doesn't pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love, I love the way you put it. You said, we are not working in a dying or meaningless universe. We're working in alignment with the whole process of creation, and within each of us stirs the mighty force of creation in the process of its next quantum transformation. Right. How exciting to think each of us are cells in something greater going on, each of us doing our part, being an active part of the whole. Yeah, so if people feel discontent or upset or concerned, that's a good signal that you have more to express 
that's to be looked at and say, what more wants to emerge? Depression is a sign of something more to emerge. Well, th- thank you for saying that, because I admit that I just unplugged from a whole lot of work that I was doing, and I've been depressed about it. And so mm-hmm. I love reframing that and just saying, hey, I'm, I'm on the verge of more evolution here. Something greater is coming. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Yeah. But you need to know it and choose it. That's conscious evolution. Evolution by choice. It, it's not a passive act anymore. Yeah. Well, I also love, Barbara, how in your book you explain the evolutionary process and compare life today to a time 3.5 billion years ago when single-celled organisms lived in the seas of, of early Earth and how at some point these single, cell, these single cells hit a growth <laughs> limit, began overpopulating, polluting, stagnating, running out of energy resources in space. Sounds very much like today. <laughs> and then you explain how the problem becomes the evolutionary driver. That gives us mm-hmm. hope about the future. Tell, tell us more about that. Well, the, the, this is a very complex uh, biological story, but the, for billions of years, we were single cells dividing to reproduce, and we were using up all the energy of the seas of Earth. And at some point, we hit, you might say, a population crisis, a pollution crisis, an energy crisis. And it, it, life could have failed. But what's, what happened was the process of photosynthesis, the uh, chlorophyll molecule was able to identify and bring in solar energy, which was a poison to the single cells, and they had to form multi-cells to handle the poison of oxygen, and through that crisis, mutation occurred, and multicellular life arose out of that very complex situation. And I'm way oversimplifying it. If you talk to a biologist, they could write a book on this. But mutation was the result of this problem. So um, what I'm seeing is that our problem is such that we're running out of energy, we're polluting, we're overpopulating. So what's the mutation that is the result of this? Well, the mutation starts with the individual person. And this individual person is now able to be identifying with their own essence and is evolving to become an essential self. And eventually I call it a universal human. And eventually when we add all the new technologies, biotech, nanotech, quantum computing, artificial intelligence, robotics, you find we're becoming a new species. And eventually we're going to build a universal species, a cosmic species. So I want people to know that our crisis is a birth is for real. I mean, really, we're being born. This is not this is not a metaphor. Wow, how fascinating that a poison, which to them was chlorophyll, would actually force them to have to co-create and and work together. <laughs> yes, and and one of the men who was a great pioneer in studying technology, Kraft Ericke, was a space scientist. He said he thought there were two great revolutionaries on planet Earth. One was the chlorophyll molecule, and the other is the human brain. So the chlorophyll molecule came in and was a poison to the single cells, but they had to repattern. Well, you might say the human brain has been so brilliant that it has created overpopulation, pollution, weapons of mass destruction, and so forth. So... Either we have to respond to the brilliance of our human brain to evolve a, a whole new society, or we're going to die. Mm. We're, go- we're going to self-destruct if we do that. 
So that that's where we are. Wow. Well, it, it is so inspiring. You know, when you spoke about the five major lessons that will encourage us to move forward now, um, two of them that I can remember was one was that evolution creates beauty and beauty endures. Mm-hmm. And another one was how evolution raises consciousness and freedom. Those are two that I remember. Uh, these five, these are like five truths that evolution keeps telling us over and over. At least this is how I, I read it. That mm-hmm. evolution keeps telling us over and over again, these are truths and they will endure eternally. Yeah. <laughs> Tell well, me they more. seem to be part of a process. Like a, a crisis precedes transformation. So when you see a crisis whether it's in your own life, in your family, or in the world, then you say, what transformation is being uh, pressed forward by this? Just take the energy crisis. Well, it's so clear that what it's pressing us toward is clean energy. Yeah. And But how much pressure it takes to get the fossil fuel industry to change to clean energy it's it's a lot, even when the facts are known. They deny the facts. They don't want the facts because they, you know, the facts don't uh, don't uh, seem to be helpful to the group that's holding the old pattern. So crisis precedes transformation. Problems are evolutionary drivers. Nature takes jumps through forming whole systems greater than and different than the sum of the parts. So let's take the single cells. They became multi-cells. Think of how much more intelligent a multicellular animal is than a single cell. So the complexity, the law of complexity consciousness is at work here. The systems tend to rise in complexity and consciousness for billions of years. So that's another law, the law of complexity consciousness. You see it. If you look at the spiral with evolutionary eyes, you know, you go from single cell to multi-cell to animal to human on just this little planet. And there are billions of planets and trillions of galaxies. So, folks, this is a big universe, and we're one teeny-weeny little planet just getting born to be conscious of all of this. And And then another one is that... Uh, everything that endures is beautiful. Mm. Uh, that is a, l- a lovely one. Wow. You think of like an early horse, an Eohippus, or an early human, a Homo erectus or Homo neanderthal, as compared to a Venus de Milo or a beautiful racehorse. Nature creates aesthetics. Mm. And, a, and, and just watching that, everything that endures in nature, even even things that might be repulsive to us, like a snake or a worm or a spider, when you look at it, it's just so incredibly beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it won't feel that way when you catch it unaware. <laughs> it just surprises you. But, but that's yeah. right. It, it doesn't mean you like it, but it, it's beautiful. <laughs> Well, I'm fascinated, too, about one of these forces, and this is just maybe a little bit off off track, but not really. The idea of how we can all fear change and at the same time have this desire for change, and it it can create quite a pressure of, I want change. No, I don't want change. I want change. And I think that's part of the the pressure cooker here. Yes. Well, it it, it is a pressure cooker. And I think that that, uh, Teilhard de Chardin said there are two kinds of people. 
One type he called Homo progressivus, attracted to the future as an organism progressing toward the unknown. Another type he called the bourgeois, who are trying to keep things the way it is already. And we see that, in, and get, you get reactionary politics, reactionary um, religion, and then you have people like us who are attracted to what's emerging. Now, the type that's attracted gets more and more vitality, whereas the type that is reactive and trying to keep things the same as it is become defeated because it's not possible to do it. Mm. You can't. Now, you have these extreme examples like ISIS. They want to go back, you see, but ultimately they can't, ultimately. And even if they destroy the whole world, they wouldn't go back. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a dinosaur. Its time is over. you You can't do it. So I would say to anybody, if you don't like change, is try to see what attracts you that you could be part of that is changing. Well, you could say also, too, so much of the anger and rage we're seeing is, is by those that don't want this change and want to keep, you know, same old, same old in place. And, and you know, you know it's, they're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. yeah. So don't join that group. <laughs> don't join. Yes, okay, so folks out there, don't join that group. I hear that. <laughs> I mean, like some, some of the candidates, you know, they're vying for how to appeal to a very narrow segment of of the population. But if they appeal to the narrow segment of the population, then they won't appeal to the general segment. And it's, I mean, there's a real problem. If you're trying to go back, you're going to get narrower and narrower. Yes. I love your saying that because it does seem that the choices are so narrow out there. Like, um, well, should I care more about my finances or should I care more about, you know, social issues? And they shouldn't be separated. (laughs) The choices there. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I remember having a gestalt one time in meditation years ago when I was, and, and again, not to be political, but I was thinking about the military and I thought, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if the Air Force turned into a force that was here to clean up the air and the Navy was a force that was here to clean up the waters. And it was all of a sudden I just could see the whole thing transformed in my imagination. And I thought, wow, that's fanciful, but totally cool. Well, you know, we, I, I've had the same thought that the, the transformation of the military industrial complex the way I put it when I was working on that was that we should build new worlds on this earth, new worlds in space, and that we should have the, the genius of the military-industrial complex for real defense of life is yeah. to restore the earth, to deal with all the environmental problems and, and the whole new energy crises, and then move on up into the development of space as an Earth-space human scenario where we would find ourselves to becoming universal species. I mean, there's a whole scenario there. I was doing that in the 1970s, holding conferences, going to this Congress, and, and this was during the Apollo program. And I said to Congressman Olin Teague, who was head of the Science and Technology Committee of the Congress, I said, why don't you bring all the members of the various committees together to look at the positive possibility of a long-range Earth-space development program? It would have been like the chlorophyll molecule. (laughs) I was a chlorophyll molecule going to Congress. Well, the chlorophyll molecule was told, you can't do that. We can't do that in Congress because we don't bring all the committees together to look at anything as a whole. You do it, Barbara. So I did. That's how I did 25 syncons in wheels 
bringing people together in a new social structure where you looked at health, education, economic, science, and technology. They're all functions within one social body, and we're structured in silos, and we can't handle it. Yes. Yes, well, you're, you, you're the futurist. You can see you have such vision and such innovation. Right, I do, I do. It's sort of like you, they couldn't even speak your language, which makes me wonder, this is an aside, but when you did ask President Eisenhower, what is the meaning of our power that is good? What a profound question that set up, I guess. <laughs> what was his well, reaction? <laughs> well, he said, he looked surprised, and he said, I have no idea. But, you know, somebody said to me, he does have an idea because they were using the nuclear power to control people. And one of the reasons that the power system kept all that nuclear power, and we still have, you know, over a thousand thermonuclear weapons pointed at Russia that also has a thousand of them, and any three or four of them would destroy life on Earth. Now, that's insane. Yes. That, that's insane. And so we people never should call ourselves alternatives. You know, we are not alternative. We are mainstream. Mm-hmm. We are mainstream evolution. We are the new mainstream. We are the new normal. The new normal is always for greater life, for greater consciousness. The, the absurd uh, alternatives are causing destruction of the environment and increased military efforts to handle things that cannot be handled by military. There is a place for the military. There is a place for defense, but they're way, way out of line. Yeah. Wow. You know, I love you saying that. We are the mainstream. And you're right. We don't hear about this in the media. And, you know, Barbara, I started this show, Legendary Leaders, when I work, I've been studying metaphysics with Lazarus and concept synergy and learning a lot. And I thought, my gosh, there's so many people out there, probably just like me, sitting at home, deeply doing my inner work, who are having, you know, fighting with their ego or having their little difficulties. And they're just not aware that in the future, people will look back at this time and say, who? were these legendary leaders like Barbara Marks mm-hmm. Hubbard? Who were they that just stepped up and, and were consciously willing to evolve? Mm-hmm. And that's why I decided, well, why don't I do some kind of show and help them to find this higher calling, their their mm-hmm. higher calling or, or support them, mm-hmm. which is why another reason I got excited about your book, because here when you talk about the wheel of co-creation and SINCON process, the golden innovations, you're creating all this space for individuals to rise up with their higher calling and contribute. Would you mm-hmm. talk about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, that's just my whole point is that everybody's needed and everybody has a unique function to play and everybody has a gift to give to realize their potential and the new society is going to be made up of people who say yes to that. Mm-hmm. Well, how inspiring. I mean, So what do we say to people out there when they say, oh, my little... My little purpose over here can't really add to the whole. That's thinking as probably a single cell creature instead of something well, bigger. You know, if you once again, you need to have evolutionary eyes because we're at a tipping point, and the tipping point is that if we tip towards a reactive solution to everything, if we tip towards trying to hold the system as it is and allow global warming and other crises to accelerate, to destroy our life support system, well, that would be the result of the demise of our species. 
So the other alternative is that those of us who are working towards positive solutions are at, at a tipping point. So every little energy at a tipping point means a huge amount, much more than the same energy would mean in a static situation. No, that's profound. Say a little bit more about that. We need we need to hear more. Every well, little bit matters more at a tipping when, you point. Know, if you just think of a of a balance, uh, just a little instrument that's on a point of balance, and it could go either way. So, how much does it take? How many people does it take to have this system tip toward a co-evolving, co-creative species? It's one by one by one by one, but it's also thousands by thousands by thousands. Nobody knows the answer to this, but it's for sure that everybody counts. Yeah. Well, I keep thinking that as we keep evolving this relationship with our essential self, letting the love of our higher self embody us, as you're calling it, dominion, that that is the work to, to tipping the point to, to higher consciousness, I would think. Yes, it is. It is. Well, how how would you what would you say to my audience who for people out there who are trying to find their higher calling and I I, I know they're on the road to it but they may not know exactly what it is. What, what do you like to say to people who really would like to do more with your work and and find their way toward to joining in this evolution? Well, I think they should get the book Emergence. Just go to Amazon.com and order Emergence and order Conscious Evolution because they both give you tools. And Emergence has really big tools. And you can join a facilitation class on Emergence.com, I think. Is that it? Emergence.com? Uh, it's Emergence process. But even if you look, I just looked up the Emergence, and, and I think I, yeah, but I think it's called Emergence process. Yes. Cor- yes. Oh, EmergenceProcessCourse.com, I think. Yes. So there are many things for you to do, but start with those books. Yeah. Okay, and that's one thing that you can start with those books, absolutely. There's so much in your book, Barbara. I mean, what would you like the audience to know about it? Because every time I turned to a new chapter, it was taking me down such a depth of so much research and so much profound thinking. I'm, I'm absolutely blown away by your work. Thank you so much. What, what, what do you want to talk about? We have time. Well, I, I think I'd like to talk about the fact that everybody has a unique self, a unique impulse of creation within you. And that that particular unique part of you is what is yours to cultivate. And everyone has been given the power to say yes to that impulse. So how do you find that impulse and how do you cultivate it? Well, it really is a matter of the two two biological feelings we have. One is stress and the other is pleasure. And I think of stress as the one that tells you that's not the way to go. The other pleasure is also the compass of joy. When you think something, see someone, talk to somebody that gives you that little flash of, of joy or, or higher spirits, you say yes to that. And then you begin to go into the direction of work that is self-rewarding that when you do it, you feel rewarded. It's like me having this, telephone, this uh, telephone conversation with you. How much are you and I being paid to do this? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Nothing. Well, or how much am I paying to do this? Is another so how come we're doing this? 
Oh, I yeah. remember when I was in the former Soviet Union, we were citizen diplomats, and we were. Bring, I was bringing hundreds of people over there to talk to dissidents and to try to make things uh, better. And so one of their big newscasters said, who is paying all of you to do this? And I said, nobody's paying us. We're paying to come to see you. They said, what? How would that be possible? That's what we thought would be the communist man. <laughs> we thought that if we took away private property, that people would then be serving each other. But instead, you all in the, in the sort of capitalist culture are paying to come over. I said, yes, because it gives us joy and pleasure to feel that we're participating in evolving the world. That's our joy. And it really, it, he said, I am so thrilled to hear you say this, because we thought in communist Russia that our ideas had failed, and they had, because they, they took away human freedom. That mm-hmm. failed. That's mm-hmm. definitely a failure. But the way it worked out is that those of us in our culture that do this are not failing. We're arising, and that we can do, and that's what we must do. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Well, there's so many areas that need, let's say, support. And, and I, I think I'm in complete, well, I am in complete agreement with you that if each person rises to that inner, that inner joy, that inner voice, that inner calling, that all of those needs are going to get met because there is a bigger plan that's beyond all of us. And we're each yes, it is. following our thread, our thread. Yes. And adding our thread to the beautiful, beautiful tapestry of it all. Wow, it's it's very exciting talking to you. I feel so privileged, Barbara, to be uh, able to talk so to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so glad you're in, in Patricia's call, too. That's so wonderful. Well, it is. And uh, how else can we inspire others? You see, I'm so inspired right now. I realize that this is part of my compass of joy is to have a conversation with you and, and to realize all those voices inside that want to say, oh, it's negative. Oh, it's scary. You can't do this. And all that stuff is, is just a number of lies in the face of something that has been for billions of years trying to bring a force into something so much more exciting. So I, I can't imagine anybody reading the, who has read both of your books that would not be excited about the future. Now, that's a lot of double negatives in there. Let me turn that around. When you read both of these books, you're going to have a permanent sense of, of excitement about the future. I think that's oh, true. I, I could tell you about two more books. One is yes, please. It, it's absolutely marvelous. It's called 52 Codes to Conscious Self-Evolution. And these are codes from my universal self, which is a higher frequency than the essential self. It's like your soul's code. The uh, the universal self is a frequency, almost like a light body frequency. And when people tune into their own higher self, they will find their higher frequencies up there. And this universal self appeared to me like in a field of radiant joy and said, keep your attention on me. I'm coded with your evolution. And I kept writing in my journals about this, and I picked up so many guidances on how to actually become uh, not only my essential self, but you might say my whole being. And this has been a very powerful, powerful uh, impulse for me, and I could read you a code here. Yes. Okay, here's code 30. External action flows 
from the internal incorporation of your universal self. That's your highest self of being. So your action is really guided by that part of yourself. And I'm just looking for my glasses now. Hold on. Uh, I love this code. From this phase onward, the activity that most deeply changes the outer world flows directly from the internal incorporation of your universal self. The primary activist is the universal self. Now, you can call that the higher frequency of your inspiration, the highest presence of uh, spirit, God, Christ that you know. The primary activist is the universal self incarnate, acting as the person. Action transforms from mentally organized plans to change something out there to allowing the higher mind to come through in resonance among groups of people. This universal self-facilitated process can appear mysterious or magical or miraculous, but actually is nature at the next stage of manifestation. So beautiful. You know, it's just absolutely beautiful to hear your codes. I want to read all of them now. Um, Absolutely. And and how inspiring for all of you out there who will be communing with your higher selves and doing your morning journaling to read Barbara's 52 codes that came through her and know that inside of you is a code, is is a, a force, is an aliveness that is even more evolved than you that wants to come through you and guide you too. And that's inspiring to me because I just recently, my audience knows this, is that I, I just had to stop pushing myself. I, I actually stopped. And I, I meditate and I talk with Merlin a lot. And Merlin had said, had advised me to be honest with myself and stop pushing myself, which led me to your book and to this, this whole new phase. Mm-hmm. But what I love of what you're saying here is that this phase is, is positive. That my stopping and just focusing on my health and my higher self actually is allowing something greater than me to come through me. And that's lead. it. Yes, mm-hmm. tell, you tell, can do more, be more, get, and give more. Yeah. It w- won't be a pushing process. It'll be a, just a flowing process is what you're saying. Exactly. And so, so I think we all have to do the practice. You can't, you can't, this will not happen if you don't have some practice that makes, that makes really, um, makes you undergo your own evolution. That's really conscious evolution. Yes, absolutely. So it is a practice. There's a discipline. There's a practice, and so it's not okay to say, I don't have any time. Because if you don't have any time, then you're not going to be able to do this. And I don't mean you have to do the particular practices I'm offering. They are very good, but there are many. Well, I I would like to add my one of my well, I'll put it this way one of my visions for what I think I'm here to be doing. It seems to fit in your your wheel, you know, in the innovations of of mm-hmm. there is there's a version that I I share with my audience about the Merlin Arthur legend. We've only just scratched the surface. A version that Lazarus taught us, and it is all about dominion. How Merlin taught Arthur these twelve qualities of character building of chivalry, and how when Arthur embraced all of them, became whole within himself, he could transform all the other people to bring yeah, them in, exactly. into well, Camelot. That, you know, it's a beautiful myth. That's it. That's it. Well, that's one of the things I wonder too, Barbara, is how, how are we going to grow this character? Because as I read in your book, we need this ethical evolution, this, this people rising up with more character. How do you see a future for that? 
Well, I think it, it all comes from the internal impulse in us when we see the crises outside is to respond to say, what can I do? Where, where am I called? What is my part in this? And the people who can do this are ones who are able to say yes. I'm going to take a step. I'm going to find out. I was a mother of five children. I got very depressed after my fourth or fifth child and finally found Abraham Maslow. And he studied well people rather than sick people. And every self-actualizing or well person had had one thing in common, chosen work they found intrinsically self-rewarding and of service. Mm. So... We we actually have to find out what when we do it feels rewarding, and see this is this request this requires a certain pioneering spirit. It's not necessarily what you were given in school. You might have to become an entrepreneur. You might have to reach out and find others. You might have to start something new. You might have to be a pioneer. Not everybody came over from the old world into the new world. You know. Yeah. Only only the ones that have a certain degree of impulse of creation. So ask yourself, do you want to be one of those? And if so, say yes and go do it. Hmm. There's no excuse. I love the idea. Actually, I... there's no excuse. I mean, yeah. there's no excuses. There's no excuse whatsoever because everyone can take some step toward what attracts them. Even people who are radically ill or people in prison, we have discovered that it's a human quality and the quality of faith is very important in there. And I I think it doesn't have to be faith in a particular version of God, but faith in the meaning of the process of creation. Faith that your life has meaning, that everything that you do counts. That's faith. Well, I have absolutely noticed that that impulse, the impulse that you're talking about, doesn't go away. <laughs> it no, keeps calling, even if it's whispering. You. And I, I definitely feel it in you, yes. Yeah, it, it, it will, and, and we all have our parts to play. I, I want to, ins- I, well, we're so inspired talking with you. Tell us how people can be more directly involved. Because you've talked about the SINCON process, you've talked about other things. Is there anything else you'd like us, websites to go to, other books to buy? We'd yes, to support you. BarbaraMarksHubbard.com, they'll see my website and see everything that I'm doing. Okay. Well, please do. Everybody go to Barbara Marks Hubbard. And, and I would love for you to get these two books because Emergence and Conscious Evolution, I think, are, are key for all of you leg- legendary leaders for your inner process and your outer process to get the bigger picture here. You are all part of the bigger plan. Barbara, with all of your years of, of, of focus on this and, and doing su- such exquisite work for the planet, how do you feel we're doing? <laughs> well, you know, I think what of people who are shifting internally already and the number of people who are concerned about innovation and creativity, I think we're doing better than it looks and that <laughs> the thing that's most important is to make visible what's already emerging to attract more of us toward a vision of the possible. Yes, making it more visible. Certainly, I don't know how we're going to turn the media around on this, but how do you imagine it will get more visible? Well, you're, do, you're doing your part. You're making it more visible. Yeah. Yes. It, you know, everybody, yes, I, every media, I, I'm on tons of small shows. They're all small, but they're all in the noosphere. They're in the nervous system of humanity. It's happening. 
And, I mean, there's a lot more to be done. But right now, I think everybody has to see where they're called. I mean, I used to try to do enormous things, like when I ran for vice president. <laughs> I'm reading yeah. through my journals, and I realized that I almost knocked myself out by constantly trying to reorganize the whole world. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, wow. Because then I would get depressed and feel like I was a failure. But everybody's a failure when they're going at trying to do something more than is possible for them. So, you, yeah. like, I'm a teacher, I'm a speaker, I'm a communicator, I'm a writer. I can do that. And, and then I can see myself as part of a larger whole. Everybody can do that. Everybody. Well, I love your saying that, Barbara. It's true. We try and get out there and do world causes and we exhaust ourselves. But if we do our small part, we are adding well, to the Well, it's not so small. Don't the whole, say even whole... small. You do yeah. your part. Every part is small. You know, we don't have to say small. We're not little and we're not impossible and we do have time. And what could be more exciting than consciously helping to evolve the whole, be part of the evolutionary process that each of us really is? That's really true. Barbara, thank you so much for today. We have just about about one minute left here in in our our show, and I just want to thank you for being here today and inspiring all of us. This is a recording I would love to get out to a lot of people because it's just so beautiful. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate what you're doing. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And thank you all for listening to Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. It is always an honor to support all of you unsung heroes on your journey to become the legendary leaders that you're destined to be. And until next week, I send you all my love and best wishes. Take this information. Be inspired by yourselves. You are doing beautiful work. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in this week for Legendary Leaders. Maria Danley invites you to join her for another inspiring show next Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Have a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.